0: Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveller podcast, part of the Informed Traveller radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. With Canada Day coming up, it's all about Canada this week. So in a few moments, we'll head to Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, the place where Confederation began and home to the Fair Home Boutique Inns, a collection of 32 suites restored in four different heritage buildings that date back to 1838. And I actually stayed there a few years ago, and it really is a marvelous place to stay then later in the podcast, we'll get a feel for what our country is all about by chatting with Brandy Yanchik. She's the host and producer of the TV series, Seeing Canada. In fact, there's a Seeing Canada marathon coming up on Canada Day, so we'll learn more about that as well. But let's begin our podcast talking about exploring the Canadian Rockies and talking with travel writer and author Debbie Olson, who is a contributing writer for Fodor's Canadian Rockies Guidebook. So Debbie joins us now to share her thoughts on the guidebook and exploring the Rockies in general. Her website is wanderwoman.ca. Hi, Debbie.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on your show. Uh,
0: well, this, this guidebook just came out, right, uh, just a few months ago, so it's quite up to date. Uh, just tell us what parts you contributed to.
1: Well, I wrote the section called Travel Smart, and then I wrote the Banff chapter, the Jasper chapter, the Waterton chapter, the Canmore and Kananaskis chapters in the book.
0: So what's the best way to use this guidebook? I have this image in my mind driving between uh, Banff and, and Jasper up that beautiful highway and someone looking at the book saying, well, let's stop here, it recommends here. Uh, well, what's a good way to use the book?
1: I, that is one one of the good ways to use it would be to... To look at, uh, you know, you're, if, if you're making a plan for how you're going, what parts of the Canadian Rockies you're going to visit, and let's say you wanted to visit Banff and Jasper, um, for example... And you might just look at okay, um, what could I? What are some of the main things that I could see in Banff, and what are some of the things I could see in Jasper, and what are the some of the unique stops that I could make along the Icefields Parkway? Um, Oh, and where might I stay? You know, Um, Mm -hmm. in the different locations, and what are you know some of the restaurants? Um, One thing that I'm really proud of about this book is we've got more. Indigenous content in this book than, I believe, any other Canadian Rockies guidebook that's out there. So we've got an entire section on Indigenous experiences that you can have in the Canadian Rockies that range from everything from, you know, uh, a hike where you might see a pictograph to um, a, an actual Indigenous tour led by a, an Indigenous tour operator like Warrior Women, for example, in Jasper. I, mm. I did uh, a medicine walk with Matricia um, Bauer uh, in in Jasper, and it was uh, just an incredible experience. So there's that, and, and that information is is hard to find sometimes. Uh, I also think there's some interesting information about the history and the geology of the, the Canadian Rockies that, you know, it's kind of nice if you're going to a destination, you can find everything that you need all in one resource. And, and that's what I think this book does.
0: I'm always curious, though, how much editorial leeway do uh, like publications like folders uh, give you? Like, do they give you a general guideline and then you kind of go your own way or uh, how does that work?
1: Well, because, because this was a new book, um, we, you know, decided, uh, well, they asked our opinion on what, what we should include um, in, the, in this guidebook. And, of course, we um, chose uh, all of the, the standard, you know, Waterton, Banff. Jasper. We've got the parks that are in um, British Columbia as well. Was, that part was Yoho and Kootenay was written by Kate Robertson. And then we also included um, Calgary and Edmonton in their um, small sections about them because many of the people from out of province are going to fly into either Calgary or mm-hmm. Edmonton. So it's good for them to know what they can See when they're in in those cities. One of the things that we included in this one that you won't really find in any other guidebook that I found, anyways, is the Crow's Nest Pass. Nobody else included that, and I felt like that that was a big miss because the Crow's Nest Pass is such a beautiful area and it has fascinating history. And the other thing, the way the Indigenous content happened, is. I was working on um, the Vamp chapter, and I, I mentioned to my editor Alexis Kelly with voters. I just said, you know, I think we should have a an Indigenous land acknowledgement in this book, and then it kind of just blossomed from there. She, uh, you know, pretty soon we were including a whole list of Indigenous operators. Then we were including a whole Indigenous history of the Canadian Rockies in there, which I I would say that. A lot of Albertans don't even know this, but when Jasper National Park and Banff became national parks, they physically removed all the Indigenous people who had homes within the park. Um, They were just kicked out of their traditional territory. They weren't allowed to return. And, I, you know, it's one of the dark sides of the the national parks. But I think it's important that we know about it and recognize that it happened. And honestly, now the Parks Canada is... um, not only acknowledging Indigenous people, but working to establish those relationships again, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's a positive thing. But I think that a lot of people don't even realize that within two years of the creation of Jasper National Park, all Indigenous people were removed, and some of them had um, log homes. Uh, you know, they had, you know, everything there, and they just had to up and leave. So um, anyway, that information is in there, too, um, you know, just and other interesting historical information about the parks and information about flora and fauna and um, sites. So
0: Packed full of information. It's the Fodor's Canadian Rockies Guidebook. And Debbie Olson is a contributing writer to the guidebook. You can uh, find it on Amazon. That's where I found it, amazon.ca, if you want to order it. Or you can go to Debbie's website, Wanderwoman.ca. We could go on, Debbie, and talk more, but time is our enemy, <laughs> as always. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, thank you.
1: Thank you for having me I, and for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it.
0: Well, Canada Day is coming up this week, and there's no better place to visit to learn about how this country came together than Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, the place where Confederation began. And a great place to stay while you're there is at the Fairhome Boutique Inns, located in the heart of downtown Charlottetown. So joining us now to tell us more about the Fairhome Boutique Inns is Sam McMillan. He is the general manager of Fairhome Boutique Inns. FairhomeInn.com is their website. Hi, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. Tell me the story behind the Fairhome Boutique Inns. It, it sounds like a, a really fascinating story, and I have stayed there about five or six years ago. And it really is a wonderful property.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And I guess the story, I mean, it kind of goes back to a good um, 20, 25 years ago. And I'm only myself 26 years old right now. So when I was super young, uh, my parents actually, Brooke and Gina McMillan, they would have been the ones that had purchased the original Fair Home building. And and the original Fair Home building there is our National Historic Landmark. Um, And that's kind of what we named our whole property after. I mean, Within the last 10 years or so, or last, I guess, five years or so, to be a little bit more particular, we've, we've really expanded down the block um, and have essentially kind of moved down and taken over the rest of the buildings as we've went down. And now we've kind of grown to, to four different buildings, um, including our original Fair Home building, uh, about 34 rooms in total. They all vary from different formats and size, um, we have our National Historic Landmark, which is Fair Home. And then we have Hillhurst, which is a beautiful Victorian mansion. It was built in 1897. It's kind of like our hub of our operations. We run everything out of there. Um, we also have our carriage house, which uh, would have been built about eight years ago at this point, And that's where you would have stayed mm-hmm. um, when you were with us. And then kind of nestled in the center is, is really the last thing, and last piece of our puzzle, which is our Cranford house. And it kind of gives you like a more beach feeling to it. We have about 10, 11 suites in there, and they all have like beautiful decks and balconies and kind of known for, for their garden space
0: as well. Well, and it really is a, a unique and fascinating property. Like you said, you have the, the, the buildings themselves are amazing. And you get to your, your suite, and it's like a mini apartment. Like, like you really <laughs> do it upright.
2: Yeah, exactly. You're bang on with that. And, you know, those those apartments and in, in, in our carriage house there, they're they're really unique in the sense that they're designed for like, um you know, if you're staying for a longer stay, maybe larger parties, families, stuff like that. Right. So we kind of allows us and gives us the ability to accommodate almost any type of, of customer or guest that that's looking to stay with us, which which really helps in our sense.
0: Mhm and and you know and that goes to say too that it's not a a fancy place as far as amenities like i don't recall there's a pool there or a spa or so if you're looking for that type of thing you can probably point them in in other directions right
2: yeah for sure that's definitely um definitely not what i guess i would call as our core competency like what what we do here that we find is a little bit different is you know we kind of pride ourselves on this as well. And it's kind of a slogan that we had come up with over the course of the last few years, but it's really, um, experienced true Island hospitality. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do here. Like uh, the best thing that we do is kind of cut down the barrier, um, between your standards, uh, customer and then, you know, front desk clerk experience. And, Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, you know, it's not, you're not going in and saying, Okay, Sam McMillan, you're in room three oh one, you know, here's your key card elevators that way, right? <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that and uh and yeah, we're creating more of an experience and I, I think that's just what makes us a little bit more unique and yeah, no pool. But we have a beautiful courtyard and, and our space down here, you know, second to none.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you don't need a pool because you're not that far from the waterfront. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, we're right downtown. And the location, yeah, yeah is amazing. I, you can literally walk just about uh, anywhere you want to see uh, Charlottetown, right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's the nice thing as well is we're right downtown. Um, so, so to your point, you, you can walk anywhere. Leave your vehicle Uh, We're always getting people to walk. But then the other thing as well is is because of this historic property, like we have these beautiful trees. I'm sure that you remember that Mm -hmm. almost around our whole property. So although you are right downtown, like you kind of do get that secluded feeling that goes along with the property. So you do have that privacy. And when you're sitting in the center of our courtyard, whether you're by the fire or just on one of, you know, the deck balconies or anything like that as well, you know, you, you do have that feeling of privacy at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. And we should say, I do I do recall that you did offer breakfast. So there is, a, there is some things that you do offer guests too.
2: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So out of our Hillhurst building, um, like I was kind of saying, that's kind of where we run everything out of. Um, so we have nine rooms in there. But what we also do is we serve our breakfast out of there and we do a hot serve breakfast in the morning time. Um, it's awesome. That's uh, that's one of the things that we really push for um, making just as equal part of the experience of someone's stay. But um, yeah, we have this two beautiful dining rooms, um, this awesome deck patio that we would have built about uh, kind of a funny story behind that. And I guess I'll I'll give you um, give you the rundown on that. But mm-hmm. when uh, my family had purchased this property, they had found this old picture of Hillhurst, and, and Hillhurst is old, like you know Fairhome is built in 1838. Hillhurst is built in 1897, um, and in this picture they found was this beautiful deck patio that was attached to the building. Of course, when we had bought the property, um, it wasn't there, so we had gotten someone to come in and essentially re. Do and re- bring back into shape this beautiful deck patio, which I'm actually sitting on right now having this conversation with you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that allows us to serve about 30 more people in the morning for breakfast. So we won a PEI Heritage Award for, for kind of replicating the old style deck that was out here. And yeah, we do upwards of. 80, 85 people now in the morning for breakfast amongst our entire property. So definitely a busy operation in the morning time.
0: Nice. Uh, so where do the majority of your guests come from? Do you get a lot of people from Canada or do you get uh, a lot of people from overseas?
2: Yeah, you know, they're kind of all over. Um, Europe, Australia, um, Asia as well. Um, I've actually spoken to a fair amount of guests today that were from the Maritimes. And, you know, you don't get a lot of people from the Maritimes. A lot of people from the States right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Switzerland, you know, it it it's from all over and that's kinda of what makes the job so nice, right? You get to meet all these different people, all these different personalities. Um, they're coming as visitors, they're telling you about about their hometown as mm-hmm. well, um, the differences. I mean, you know, everyone's saying, If you're ever in Sweden,
0: you know, if you're <laughs> ever in
2: Switzerland <laughs> if you're ever here, come stay with me. You have a spot for me, so that's cool too
0: and how is the summer looking uh, uh getting bookings like are you full booked uh fully booked for the summer how's that looking yeah not for the
2: summer but i mean for these next five days here um like i was kind of saying we have 34 rooms across our property so mm. these next five days we're completely full and you know our june has been one of the better years we've seen yet um july and august yeah it's, it's pretty booked up in those dates too i mean you're gonna find um your your dates here and there like right now mm-hmm. your monday tuesday wednesdays are a little quiet um however it would be a little bit more difficult to find a room on those weekend days especially starting like this thursday friday saturday especially with some of the events that are happening here on pei and there's so much going on here now which is so nice to see after the last couple of years
0: mm-hmm. well and you got canada day coming up uh on friday i'm sure there's lots of celebrations going on for that as well yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, like the whole town itself. And I know, like Discover Cheryl town, I'll give a shout out to them. They do a ton of work to really um, push Cheryl town and PEI in general. Um, they try and help create a lot of experiences. And we've worked with them. Um, you can find them on Instagram, just Discover Cheryl town, But they're awesome. We've done events on our property. And, and kind of if you see online in our pictures, um, our space is, is great for holding events, weddings, shoots anything like that, um, kind of back to my comment being in the center of Charlottetown, but mm-hmm. having that secluded
0: location, right? Well, it is uh, an absolutely uh, great place to stay. The location is fabulous. Uh, the Fair Home Boutique Inns, you can find out lots of information on their website, fairhomein.com. And Sam McMillan is the general manager of the Fair Home Boutique Inns. I uh, appreciate your time, Sam. Thank-, thank-, thank you so much. Of course. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, there's no question that Canada is a large country to explore and to see every part of it would probably take you a lifetime. And that's why shows like Seeing Canada are great. It allows all of us to see and learn about Canada. So joining us now is the host and creator of Seeing Canada, Brandy Yanchik. Her website is com. Hi, Brandy. Hi. Give me some background on your series, Seeing Canada. It's a couple of seasons now and you've got the Seeing Canada Marathon that we're going to talk about coming up on Canada Day. But how did the whole series come about?
3: Absolutely. Well, thanks for inviting me first uh, to speak with you. My show, Seeing Canada, started in 2017 and I did the first season, which is six episodes. And then in 2019, I did the second episode, second series, sorry. And then uh, season three is coming out now um, for Canada Day, and so we've got 18 episodes. Seeing Canada is airing on Amazon Prime, PBS stations, and also CPAC, uh, and it has also aired on Air Canada, WestJet, Eva Air, uh, Two TV, all these different wonderful places. Um, So I've been very fortunate. In 2017, I decided that I wanted to take my skills, which I had learned from doing the BBC's travel show Mm -hmm. on BBC World TV and make my own show. And uh, I worked with my distributor uh, who brings my projects to PBS stations and they said, let's do it. So I made the first uh, season, and I went to every province and territory in 2017. I had amazing experiences. Um, The first episode, I went to Nemo Bay and Manitoulin Island. Second episode, I went to Saskatoon and Winnipeg. Third episode, Lake Louise and Niagara Falls. The fourth episode, Western Newfoundland and the Northwest Territories the fifth episode, Nunavut and Yukon, and then the sixth one, I went to PEI, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Quebec. So that was a huge task. Mm -hmm. I'm the writer, director, producer, and host, and the um, response was fantastic on PBS stations, and they wanted more people to see the show, so I did a a second season, and again, I went to every province and territory in Canada for season two, and um, I had lots of, very fun uh, northern experiences. I sort of stress that because I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of remote experiences. And then the third season is a little bit different because we had some restraints because of uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So every every episode is just focused on one province. So coming up on Canada Day, the first um, episode is called Wines and Islands in British Columbia, and I go through the Gulf Islands and parts of Vancouver Island on an expedition vessel with Maple Leaf Adventures, and it's a lot of fun, and Mm -hmm. learn about wineries and that kind of stuff. And then the second episode uh, for Season 3 is all about Black history in southwestern Ontario, and I learn about um, the Underground Railroad and the history of the Freedom Seekers, who came to Canada and helped build this large, vibrant Black community in the country. We visit lots of different museums, including the famous Uncle Tom's Historic Site, which you have probably heard of the book Uncle Tom's Cabin, Mm -hmm. and that is connected um, to the Josiah Josiah Henson Museum of African Canadian History. They just changed the name, so that's what it's called now. And then we go to Quebec, and we have um, a French and Indigenous culture experience in Quebec, and then Toronto, <laughs> we go to <laughs> Kensington Market and we ha- have like a big foodie culinary experience in Toronto. And then the fifth episode, I go to Stanley Park and have an Indigenous tourism experience there. And then I go to Surrey and I have a, I explore the Spice Trail. And then the final one is Banff National Park. And I try out the open top touring vintage style automobiles, go to the hilarious grizzly house and learn about the... (laughs) wild history of that place and then i have an indigenous experience uh with mohican trails with brenda holder so that's what's coming on offer for season three
0: well that's amazing you put on a lot of miles it sounds like and we both know that this is such a huge country and for every place that you pick there's probably 10 or 20 (laughs) that are going how come you didn't pick us so how do you decide where to go
3: Well, I guess the first thing is I say to um, the different tourism departments who I'm meeting with at conferences and I have a relationship with them, Mm -hmm. I speak to them about story ideas and I say, okay, this is what works for the show. Every episode, I want an Indigenous tourism experience, which has been a huge success, I'll tell you, especially for my educational distributor, because the schools, I work with McIntyre Media and also ProQuest Mm. or Alexander Street in the States. But McIntyre Media um, ended up cutting all the Indigenous experiences into their own short videos, and then during the pandemic, students were watching them. So that was something that I never uh, foresaw would happen, but in the in the end, it was like something very different, right? It it actually fed a different audience, you know, kids in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also say, okay, what else works well? Diversity works well, so I like to show lots of different cultures. So I'll say to them, okay. Find me a business where we have a diverse culture. We have somebody um, who is from a different place, has moved to Canada, and they've done something extraordinary. So in Toronto, we actually uh, cook with Syrian refugees at the newcomer's kitchen, which is really fun. And then on the spice trail, that was very uh, fun in Surrey because we went to two different Indian restaurants and learned about how to make butter chicken poutine, which is really good, (laughs) and some other South Indian uh, food. And I also like adventure. So anything with some adventure that I think that my viewers will like, I'll go uh, on in nature.
0: Well, and it's kind of like asking a parent who their favorite child is. But do you have a a favorite story that kind of stands out or, or a destination that really kind of surprised you? You weren't expecting what you found out?
3: Well, I would say, honestly, um, I'm going to focus on season three. I would say the Black history in southwestern Ontario blew me away because we went to Amherstburg Freedom Museum. We went to the Buxton National Historic Site and Museum, the Chatham-Kent Black Historical Society and Black Mecca Museum, and then, like I mentioned before, Uncle Tom's Historic Site, which is now called the Josiah Henson Museum of African-Canadian History. That surprised me the most because um, i got to learn about the underground railroad Mm -hmm. in a way that i didn't really learn about in school i got to learn about how the people that survived the underground railroad imagine there's a lot of freedom seekers who didn't survive Mm -hmm. the ones who did come by cover of night like escaping it was so terrifying and they came to canada and they started their own communities and schools and i just found that fascinating and we have all this history in southwestern Ontario, the museums are there to see, and it's Canada's history. It's not just Black history; it's Canada's history, mm. and it's so fascinating. Like I just, I was blown away by it, and also uh, the woman Shannon, <laughs> who runs the Buxton National Historic Site and Museum, is such a hoot and so interesting. And lovable. You'll see when you watch the show. I think it's the best segment of the whole entire uh, third season. Like, she is just wonderful. We talk about serious stuff, but we also have fun together and celebrate um, the Black history in that community uh, where she lives in Buxton. So I, I think, see, like, episode two really was a surprise for me, I would say. Because as I started digging deeper, I was like, wow, we have a lot of museums dedicated to black history and the Underground Railroad Mm -hmm. that I didn't know anything about.
0: Well, it's the Seeing Canada Marathon. Uh, It's coming up on Canada Day. Remind our uh, listeners uh, where they can watch it again.
3: Yeah, so I've been fortunate enough to work with CPAC, which is the parliamentary channel where you see um, all that sort of stuff to do with the government. Um, But they also show seeing Canada and they've shown every single season and on Canada day, they're doing a seeing Canada marathon and uh, they'll be showing season three. And I think uh, season two, maybe season one, but I'm not, I'm not sure they've shown it a lot. Um, and then if you have Amazon prime, you can watch season one and two now um, I'm waiting for Season 3 to see if it's going to be put on Amazon Prime. And then PBS stations. So we're talking uh, KSPS mm-hmm. or uh, KCTF 9, which you probably get if you have cable. They are showing Seeing Canada. So you just have to uh, look and see when PBS is showing it. Yeah. And those are the places. Or you can also always watch it on my website, uh, which is brandyyanchik.com. Uh, or Brandy Y Productions. You just Google me and I'm the only one out there with that name. Well, (laughs) that I
0: know of. (laughs) Well, uh, you are Brandy Yanchik. It was fun chatting with you, filmmaker and journalist and creator of the series Seeing Canada. Again, Brandyyanchick.com is her website. Uh, Fun chatting with you, Brandy. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you for having me on your show. And uh, yeah, I think One thing that's really important for the audience to know is that this is a family-friendly show. Uh, Yeah, we do drink alcohol in the show, and I do taste beer and stuff. But um, there's nothing in the show that I would be scared to show children. And I think a lot of children actually enjoy watching it with their family because it's something they can all sit around and enjoy together, all different ages.
0: Thanks, Brandy. Thank you. You take care. And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveller radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.